This Radio AI podcast is on AI and the environment. Radio AI. This is all wrong. I shouldn't be up here. I should be back in school on the other side of the ocean. www.radioai.net Yet you all come to us young people for hope. I'm Cindy Mason for Radio AI. I'm an AI researcher, and while I was at NASA Ames, I proposed the first workshops in the United States and internationally that brought together the two fields of artificial intelligence and the environment. It seemed to me you could bring all the energy of rocket science to the environment through AI. And I just finished making a book called Artificial Intelligence and the Environment. What I learned while I was working on the book It has many different environmental projects in it, and it also has all sorts of different AI. Many of the systems use multiple kinds of AI. What really struck me throughout all these different projects across all these different kinds of AI is that AI is a super tool. So let me repeat that. AI is a super tool, and it is uniquely suited for environmental projects. And in this podcast, we're going to find out why. Decades ago, researchers saw into the future and knew how crucial it would be for humanity to create extensive and innovative tools for long-term monitoring of our fast-changing environment. AI is a tool, and throughout the history of humankind, we have always made tools to help us. And I think after you listen to this podcast, you're going to see that AI is not just any old tool. It is a super tool that is uniquely qualified to help with environmental issues, especially our infrastructure, which is going to be continually challenged with storms, creeping sea levels, and other issues that we have yet to face. So what is AI doing to help? The short answer is a lot. Project Argo Float has 4,000 ocean-going robots collecting data 24-7. They send the data to the closest of four different data hubs located in different time zones. This is Darwin's next generation, and AI is going to be part of it. You can check out the website for Argo Float. It's argo, A-R-G-O, dot U-C-S-D, for UC San Diego, dot E-D-U. On it, you'll see a map where all these robots are right now. You can find ways to get the data. You can see an individual robot. You can see the stockade of them being updated and maintained. It's a stunning project, and it gives you an idea of what's been happening with AI and the environment. If we are to make any meaningful progress in understanding our our home, Earth, and preparing for our future, we really need to dive into the ocean and watch our land and our skies and maintain a 24-7 presence. We are air-breathing landlubbers, and so we need AI for undersea monitoring. We need robots. Robots can go where we cannot go, and so can drones. AI can cipher through mountains of data. It can pay attention 24 hours a day to a global network of environmental monitoring systems. It can stretch back for decades looking at patterns in data. There's many things AI can do that are helpful to us. The combination of AI and underwater robotics as well as remote sensing from satellites and drones comes in most handy for exploring and documenting and watching what's happening to the planet. I'm going to share with you insights from the AI contributions of 60 of the world's top AI and environmental scientists and engineers. Their work is described in a new book called Artificial Intelligence and the Environment. The AI systems are detailed for many different environmental projects, including infrastructure. 
firefighting, flood prediction, sewage and pollution, recycling and resources, predicting toxic algae blooms, predicting water pollution, monitoring for nuclear tests and atmospheric disturbances, assembling satellite data, automatically creating weather bulletins, automatically creating weather forecasts, forest ecosystem modeling, cataloging biodiversity. So here's the secret about the tool of AI for the environment. Here's why AI is a super tool. The things that make environmental projects hard are exactly the things that AI was cut out for. It's all about the data. It's all about the data. For example, Argo Float. It has about 4,000 ocean-going robots that measure things in the ocean to see how our ocean's doing. So 4,000 robots, 24 hours a day, sampling, measuring, day after day, week after month, after month, after year. That piles up to a lot of data. It's an example of something called environmental monitoring. There's many kinds of these environmental monitoring projects in action right now. There's another global monitoring network for the atmosphere. It's called CTBTO. Dot org. That's Charlie Tango Bravo Tango Oscar. Org. It is collecting data 24 hours a day, day after day. Part of the atmospheric monitoring system first alerted us to what happened in Chernobyl. So we need these kinds of systems, even when nothing's going wrong. We need to know something's going right. There's another project that you can use from your cell phone called Purple Air. It monitors with a sensor that you purchase and connect to your phone. It monitors the air quality. We used it here in California quite a bit to build maps of what was happening with all the smoke during our fires last year. It was actually invaluable. It was a crowdsourced kind of data collection. It still fits the idea of environmental monitoring, even though it was done by all of us. There's also a satellite recently launched by NASA that's circling the Earth, measuring how tall everything is to see if things have changed in height. Then there's weather data. Weather data. It goes back decades. So you're getting the idea. Environmental projects have a lot of data, and I mean a lot. Okay, okay, everybody's got data. Everybody's got lots of data. So what's the big deal? And why AI? Why are AI and automation tools most helpful? To see why AI is an an important tool for solving these data problems for environmental projects, we need to look at how the data is different. The data for environmental projects are unique from other kinds of data collections. The data for environmental projects is complicated. Nature is complicated. We're talking about dynamic things changing all the time. And we've got sensors in these environments. just talking about a cold snap or the easterlies but things that will make your weather vane go backwards or fly off altogether. Golly washers and stormers, lightning and hurricanes, tornadoes, atmospheric rivers and firestorms like we've never experienced and tsunamis. The data collection in environmental monitoring systems can be incomplete, uncertain, and sometimes totally absent. AI has many tools, many tools for making decisions with incomplete, uncertain, and unknown data. For example, let's take a look at the sewage and water treatment project. 
Sewage and water treatment is an important problem because it affects our water supplies, our industry, our environment. Making decisions during flood conditions, whether to open or close a valve or reduce or increase the flow of a channel or a creek, has implications for evacuation decisions, for transportation, for health care, and so on. But the precise size and shape of a body of water, like, say, the perimeter of a lake, the flow of a creek, it's rarely known precisely. Distributed sensor intelligence helps, but traditional tools, like numerical methods or other number-crunching approaches, require precision. AI tools like qualitative modeling, common sense, fuzzy sets, and machine learning algorithms are just a few of AI's helpful tricks for dealing with imprecise information. The second way environmental data is unique from other projects is the incredible variety of data needed to solve a problem. For example, in sustainable forestry, there's Landsat data images, there's vegetation maps, satellite mapping, output files from simulations and modeling. There's also sensor data collection. There's digital signal processing, video, human logs, All these things can be relevant to solving one problem. And sometimes different kinds of data has to be combined in order to solve a problem. Or it may need to be shared with other countries or other systems, other scientific bodies. There's a need to integrate and share the information across different kinds of media, from hydrology maps, spatial maps, topography maps, images of species, images and video footage from drones, and so on. So how does the AI system cope with all this? The answer is it represents the meaning of the data rather than the data itself. I'm going to repeat that. It represents the meaning of the data, not the data itself. To do that, to extract the meaning of data, it needs a vocabulary or a language to describe meaning. It's called a concept map or an ontology. Sometimes it's called a concept graph. Biologists have used something like this for centuries to name all things. They call it a taxonomy. AI does something similar. It allows us to name and explain the meaning of the data. And the meaning is independent of the type or scale of data. Instead of just trying to grind through and punch through all the raw data, we have a vocabulary for the meaning of that data. It's a common language for sharing with other systems around the world and for explaining the system's behavior to people. In these kinds of systems, environmental AI systems, explaining an AI's behavior to people is not optional. It's essential, and it always has been. By using a language based on a vocabulary or names of concepts that describe the meaning of the data instead of the data itself. We not only can exchange or share meaning across cultures, institutes, and systems, but the language is usually the same one that people also understand. The third and final way that environmental data can be challenging is that when thinking about environmental problems, It's also important to consider a problem from many different perspectives. That can mean geographically, like local, regional, national, even the whole earth. It could also mean we want to look at a problem from different professional perspectives, from the atmospheric sciences, from the ocean sciences, from land-based studies, 
or all of these things together. We might also want to explore across time. In weather prediction studies, it's not uncommon to look back through decades of data for finding similar trends or storm patterns. Remember what we just talked about on concept graphs or ontologies? Well, they're also helpful to an AI system and for people for abstracting concepts about time and scale and for moving through time and space. Did you know there's something called ice fog and that it changes over time? It can be black ice fog. You see, I can tell you these things without having to describe a lot of data to you. It's actually a great thing about AI to be able to use these features and words to describe things the same way that biologists have done. We've been talking about some of the challenges of data for AI and environmental projects and how the AI tools are uniquely helpful. It is their reason for being. AI is a super tool. So we said that it's all about the data, but it turns out that the challenges for AI and environmental systems also relate to people. So it's not just all about the data. In fact, people are a big part of these systems and it is a big deal. It might be even more important to the projects than the data itself. Join us in part two, where we explore the interactions between people and machines and how this impacts environmental AI projects. Don't forget to check out the book, Artificial Intelligence and the Environment. There's a webpage, www.aiandenvironment.org. Check it out. Stay tuned for more cool radio AI podcasts. How dare you? You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. And yet, I'm one of the lucky ones. People are suffering. People are dying. Entire ecosystems are collapsing. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction, and all you can talk about is money and fairy tales of eternal economic growth. How dare you!